welcome to the Bokesh Podcast. I'm Don. And I'm not. Because I'm Scott. Ooh, that rhymed. Yeah. That was good. You're a poet who didn't know it. I can't see my way. Ooh, it looks there like you're uh, kind of that direction also. Yeah. I think like last time we recorded, you were dying, and it sounds like you're alive now, right? Yeah, a lot more than I was. I uh, Actually, the uh, we were supposed to get together last week and record, and I was still actually pretty bad. Oh, were you really? It took about a week and a half to two weeks to get Oh, my gosh. That. It was... I had to... It was exacerbated because I had to teach at work, mm-hmm. and I like when you're in front of people for you know six seven hours talking, you're not giving yourself like a chance to heal. Yeah, I have it no was, clue what that's like. No, not at all. No, nope. you, you've never been in front of a classroom. No, for six or seven or eight hours. No, never. No, but yeah, I do understand the uh, the uh, not giving yourself a chance to heal in those situations because I mean that wears you out. I'm tired after those days. So I can only imagine. Yeah. So I'm I'm a lot better. Like I barely remember what it was like. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's it's good. I feel a lot better. It it was a a rough way to go. Kind of like these. That might be better. I've been trying to be conscious about how loud yet how distorted our podcast is, and I'm fighting at zero right now. So I'm sorry if the Levels are really weird at first <laughs> for everybody. Trying to get out of the red, but I think we're better. You say something. I got. Are we out it. of the red? Yeah. Green, blue, so. orange. Well, we want we want blue and yellow. That means we're not clipping. Okay. So blue and yellow is good. Red yeah. is bad. Oh, oh. Are we there? Yeah. We got blue and yellow. You? All right. All right. I'm is trying it? to like turn the gain on the mic so we get get all of our stuff so okay. hopefully this doesn't sound like garbage so it's like our I'm three done. primary colors right red yellow and blue is that, that what it is and then you can make like all <laughs> kinds of other colors yellow and blue make green right yeah i don't know i can talk to my wife she knows like on the color wheel like it's one five six three you're like whoa that color i, I don't know so i, anyway, took, huh. I took color design in 3d because it was a, i thought it'd be an easy class i didn't learn anything okay i don't was know. it an easy class no okay <laughs> no no, my, my sister is a very gifted artist, and I am not. And uh, unfortunately, she went through all the high school classes before me, and she's older than me. Right. And all the art teachers like laid claim to the second coming of my sister. Oh. And so I, I remember I said, I didn't take general art until my sophomore year, because you had to take at least general art before, to graduate. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to take it when I, you know, Whenever I feel like I didn't feel like, you know, take it because I don't draw. Okay. And I get in there and the teacher, his name was Mr. Nicholas. And he was like, I know there's potential inside of you and we will unlock it. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no, it's not. It's not in there. You can't unlock something that's not not there. But I I can uh, I ended up becoming really good with photography. Oh, nice. Um, And I don't really use that as much as I probably should have. Uh, But in order to take uh, photography, you had to take. Um, color design in 3D is the prereq, okay. which it really has nothing to do with photography. I think it was just a way to keep people from like, oh, I could take pictures. It'd be so cool. You know, okay. it, was, it was kind of a weed out, but okay. Yeah. So I've, I've taken color design, 3D photography, one photography, two, I took a photography, uh, and mixed media, 
so it was in the very early days of like fo- it was like Photoshop four. Okay. Um, so I took that as an independent study my senior year. I took jewelry design, um, general arts. I think that was it. But I took a lot of. I ended up taking a lot of art classes in the end. Oh wow! I just don't have a lot of talent to show for it. Okay, I can draw stick people. <laughs> you know, I, and and, and on, I, on a good day I can. And I think my art class was mostly effort. So I think you know it wasn't <laughs> what it looked like. It, it's did you put forth effort? Yeah, I remember they had us like you had to draw a house, and like so we all sat outside our school. We we're like drawing a house like across the street from us or whatever. And I kid you not, my art teacher was like, you know what? If you just zoomed in a little bit more and drew like a small piece of it, it would probably look better. It was his way of saying like, I don't know what this is, but like, why don't you just try and draw like the the window? <laughs> like it's a square. I think you can handle that <laughs> kind of thing. Well, I, I had I had a teachers tell me I should be a doctor um, for the sheer fact of no one can read my handwriting. So that's the only job that I would ever succeed in. Nice. Um, I think I failed a college class because they couldn't read my handwriting. You told me about that one. Yeah. Um, that's, that's cold. So I was like, ooh, that's harsh. So I was like, can I type? And he's like, nope. I was like, but can I type? Can I read yeah. it to you? He's like, nope. I was like, should I even bother coming to class anymore? He's like, probably not. I was like, Whoa. just because you can't read my handwriting? Um, that's cold, man. So I failed handwriting through most of grade school. So yeah, me and, and the the motions that involve my hand and writing and art, yeah, not not a thing. I hit a button. I'm just making sure it's okay. Oh, okay. We're good. It's like so no more reds. It's actually working great. Oh, okay. Why did I do this like 30 episodes ago? I don't know. You need to take like a, a permanent marker and be like, here's where it goes, right here and yeah, right here. And see. I don't get that position. So here, here's even the worst part is I actually uh, I've worked for a company that's done sound design. Okay. I worked at a church doing sound. <laughs> um, I've done a lot of recording of instruments and music and done level mixing, but for some reason this podcast always befuddles me. Like I can't seem to get the levels. Great. If we were instruments, I'd have us. But since we're talking people, I just, I did, um, do you remember Andy Ryder? Yeah. I ran sound for his band one time. And I remember like people being like impressed by like the way the mix was and like, oh my gosh, the bass is so clear. Like all the levels were so good. I could not get Andy Ryder's voice and it drove me nuts. I had his brother come in to help me out. So I had Robbie come in. I was like, Robbie, I can't seem to EQ your brother's voice. I can't get it. He's like, it's, he like plays with the board for two seconds. He's like, I, I can't do vocals. And like walks out. Are you serious? I was like, this is not any help. Like, kind of thing. So it, for whatever reason, I just can't mix a vocal. Okay. So, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. This is why you need to support us at our non-existent Kickstarter FundMe Patreon. Yeah. It, to send me to sound engineering school. <laughs> Uh, before we get into okay, we're, we're seven minutes in. But oh, before, wow. Okay. Before we get into it, I was listening to an artist that I actually respect. He's a musician uh, from a band. I won't name it because I don't want to like disparage the guy. But he's coming out. He's a lead singer. He's coming out with a podcast. And he said he's not going to start until he gets 250 backers on Patreon, a minimum of $10 a month to get him kickstarted and going. I'm like, so you need 2500 bucks to get started on a podcast. Knowing this dude probably already has enough microphones, all the equipment, probably access to studios, probably has some kind of home tracking to do it. And he's, a, he's also a part-time graphic artist, so he's got a computer. What does he need at least $2,500 for? I have no clue. We, we, we started wrong. <laughs> I'm like, let's see here. 20, 40, we'll throw 100 in the rest of it. So $140 and then... We used to use my work laptop, but I bought this used guy off of eBay and put some. I'd say a maximum of what? 250 bucks. And then we pay the hosting fees out of our pocket every month. Right. 
Huh. Yeah. It's interesting. $2,500. That's like six Ooh. years of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be rich. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, you don't know what it takes to start a podcast. I don't right. think to start with the lesson we have. <laughs> I was talking to my boss about a microphone. I was like, hey, look, this mic is $26. You don't need an interface for it. You could. Do, he wants to use it for some work training stuff that he wants to put together. I was like, you don't need any of the extra stuff that goes into it. No interfaces or whatever. And you can use the, you know... Audacity, which is free, GarageBand, which is free, Reaper, which is more than you ever need, which is free. I was like, you can use that kind of stuff and go. You can start a podcast for $26 if you're the only person. Wow. And this dude wants $2,500. Anyway, let's get it. We're, where are we? Chapter wow. 17, verse 8. Well, let's talk about justice. and what- now, I'm all, now I'm all proud of you people that are listening out there, you need to start backing us. <laughs> Actually, just, just download it, tell a friend, I'll be happy. Yeah, That's I was going to say, we, we could care less. It, yeah. um, Someday I'll, I'll have uh, my dream of, you know, a fancy microphone. I'll just say, play <laughs> Someday I have my dream of knowing how to mix the audio. <laughs> and me, I have no clue how to do any of this. I just talk. <laughs> so really, the brains behind this whole organization is done. Um he brings don't, all don't the equipment. Because and... then they'll blame me for all the bad <laughs> stuff. That, the one guy that uh, messaged me on Facebook was like, hey, your uh, quality, see, like the audio seems like really low. Like, why isn't it as loud as other podcasts? And I was like, because I never checked it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess like, it should be fine. Let me take a look at that. So when he listens to this episode, he'll know my, my folly is that I had to look up and see how to get those levels. <laughs> so if there's a problem, blame Don. Yeah, no, His just, email is, I'm no, just no, kidding. Just get, it, get it through Facebook. Okay. And uh, I'll answer you as soon as I get it, which is, I check Facebook once a day at least. So, okay. you know. So get us through there. Yeah. Because I don't know what. The- <laughs> <laughs> this is a great plug for the. Uh- Bakesh Facebook. Just look for Facebook. <laughs> on my- no, look for Bakesh. Chapter 17. All right. <laughs> so last week we ended uh, with uh, the end of Deuteronomy 16, 18, and we talked about justice. Hey, um, I know that we said that we'll probably get through all of seven, the rest of 17. Do you want to take us like in chunks so that you don't have to read the yeah, whole thing? Yeah, I'll do okay. that. Sorry. Go on. Um, and so we ended with uh, God, justice being very important uh, to, to God. And, and part of that is um, the justice system um, really wasn't a shady justice system. It actually was pretty legit. Um, and it was one of those that if you wanted to accuse someone, specifically the example they g- gave of serving other gods. So you're talking about probably one of the harshest crimes in Israel at the time. Um, you had to basically do an investigation, find evidence, have a public trial. Um, if it was found to be legit, then you could go ahead, stone them. Um, you would do it as a community. And if you were the one to go ahead and blame them, um, then you would be the one to, to actually uh, fulfill the execution. Um, however, not every court case is quite as clear as, as, it, as it would like to be. And so as we get into um, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 8, um, we're going to start talking about how, okay, in a difficult case, what do you do from there? Um, so I'm going to start reading at chapter 17, verse 8 of Deuteronomy. If any case arises requiring decision between one kind of homicide and another, one kind of legal right and another, or one kind of assault and another, any case within your towns that is too difficult for you, then you shall arise and go up to the place that the Lord your God will choose. And you shall come to the Levitical priests and to the 
judge who is in the office in those days, and you shall consult them, and they shall declare to you the decision. Then you shall do according to what they declare to you from that, from that place that the Lord will choose. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they direct you, according to the instructions that they give you, and according to the decision which they pronounce to you. You shall do. You shall not turn aside from the verdict that they declare to you, either to the right hand or to the left. The man who acts presumptuous, uh, pre- presumptuously by not obeying the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge that man shall die. So you shall purge the evil from Israel and all the people shall hear and fear and not act presumptuously again. Yay. So, so we got some uh, difficult court cases here going on. Um, so apparently everything's not so cut, not always so cut and dry. So anything kind of stand out as, as you read through um, that part of Deuteronomy? Uh, I'm just checking my notes here. Um, the main, uh, just a couple of things. This was kind of one of those where, now I didn't go through Christopher's, J.H. Wright's commentary too much on it, uh, mostly through Grisanti. And for some reason, I, I had a renewed interest in the ESV study Bible. Uh-huh. So I, I was like using that commentary quite a bit. I think it's because I have a, access to the digital version, and it was kind of like, oh, it's quick and easy to look up. Um, but neither of them had a whole lot to say about this section um, at all. And then, like, just kind of re-reading through it on my own before, like, really consulting them, uh, it just seemed very much like God's appointing the authority, uh, trust in that, obey that authority, and then, you know, carry it out. The uh, main ideas I got here uh, outside of that was just... Uh, the term acts presumptuously is actually very <coughs> uh, easily translated to act arrogantly, and it's often used in connection with uh, false prophets who would misrepresent God. So that arrogance of like, I'm getting you know, information from God that you're not and you should listen to me kind of thing, that same kind of arrogance kind of plays through on both. Like I'm, a, it's an, I'm above the law kind of mentality. Okay. Uh, so that's mostly what I got out of the the part about the judges. So, so because what I what I noticed is it told you to go the the Levitic or um, uh, the Leviticus pre or the uh, what was it called? Um, what? <laughs> the Levitical priests. Oh. Um, and and also a judge, um, and and I was kind of curious on kind of what that meant, and um, and from what I had read, uh, the Le- Leviticus priests uh, priests they would actually know God's word, and mm. then the judge probably or the judge probably would have a little bit more um, experience um, working with different court cases. Um, so the the two people that that you're asked to go ahead and and take these more difficult cases um, to would be both um, well-connected with their understanding of God's law, with God's commands, um, and then also with with similar cases such as this. So you're ultimately kind of going to the professionals, um, and you're going to, to those that, that would be would seek God's guidance on a fairly normal basis. So it's not like you're just taking it to a bunch of random people. Um, you're taking it very much to, to those who um, know God's law very well, um, but also those that... 
that deal with the, this kind of stuff on a normal basis. Um, it, I did look at, uh, there are a couple things that, that I noticed. One of them was in numbers 35, 16 through 25. Um, and it also, it just kind of talks about some of the, uh, situations that, that could occur when you're talking about what kind, you know, is it accidental? Is it premeditated? Um, is it something that's, that's personal injury? Was it, you know, on purpose? What if it, if they died, what if they didn't die? And so I just thought it was kind of interesting. I, I guess I'll go ahead and should I read it or should we just, yeah, go, no, go ahead. Um, so numbers 35, 16 through 25, but if you struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. And if you struck down or struck him down with a stone tool that could cause death and he died. He is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Or if he struck him down with a wooden tool and could cause death and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. The avenger of blood shall himself put the murderer to death when he meets him. He shall put him to death, which is kind of similar to what we saw in the earlier verses in chapter 17, where if you're going to accuse, then you, you have to be the one to, to throw the stone, literally. Um, and if you pushed him out of hatred or hurled something at him lying in wait so that he died, or in enmity, uh, Anonymity, and why can I not say that word? Um, and anonymity, anonymity. Okay. Anonymity. I was like, why? Why am I brain farting? Um, yeah. Or an anonymity struck him down with his hand so that he died. Then he who struck the blow shall be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. But. If he pushed him suddenly without enmity or hurled anything on him without lying in wait or used a stone that could cause death and without seeing him dropped it on him so that he died, though he was not not his enemy and did not seek his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood in accordance with these rules. And the congregation shall rescue the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood. And the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he had fled. And he shall live it until the death of the high priest. So, so, so we see something similar in Exodus 21, 12 through 14. We see where, you know, even back then they were very aware that, that some things were accidents, some things that were on purpose, some were premeditated, others weren't. And they had the difficult, they had the difficult position of trying to go ahead and prove or not prove what really happened. So, you know, it doesn't, it seems like they had a higher court to go to that would have known, I mean, the Leviticus priest would have known numbers and exodus, um, in their decision-making, um, so that was kind of the things that, that I kind of come up with. However, I did kind of have a question where it said, you know, you shall not question the authority um, when they make a decision. So no appeals. Right. But my big thing was, and I, and I struggled with this a little bit, and, and I'm just thinking of, okay, well, let's fast forward a little bit to the end of Deuteronomy. And when God says, okay, you're probably going to mess up, and, and you know, we, they do as we get further into the Old Testament. Well, what do you do? When in the future, Israel's leaders were known for corruption and injustice, and those decisions are made according to, to bribery and, and, and their injustice thought, um, does that still stand? The, I mean, does that still stand where, where you're not supposed to go ahead and go against them? Um, and then how does that transfer to present day things, whether that be in the church or even in our own culture? Um, so these were kind of some questions that, that I brought that, that kind of came out out of my, my thought process as I was going, well, wait, at first this seems like it'll work, but, but later on 
Israel's no for, known for their injustice and and their their bad decisions. Well, I think that there's a a couple of things in play, uh, both back then and nowadays uh, that we can look at. Um, one, if you're wrongly accused and you decide to, you know, or you're wrongly convicted, I should say, um, and you decide to abide by the the penalty and you decide to follow God's will on that. Uh, or not God's, or you, his commands on that and take it, you know, you're going to serve your prison sentence or whatever it happens to be. Uh, your trust in God, knowing one, that the person committing the injustice is now an enemy of God, I think has a potential to be enough comfort for you. Um, and then, of course, your reliance and dependence on God in that matter is to, like, petition God and pray for real justice to take place in a, in a system where there could be bribes and uh, corruption going on. So I think that's kind of where that's going to go for, you, you know, the people back then. The whole system is predicated on people being obedient to God and then you using that as your appeal. Um, I think that you also kind of get, and we know later, like the priests will take, you know, they'll basically bribe Judas to bring them Jesus, you, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but you'll... In this situation, typically you're looking at men of God and then men who are, you know, appointed by God to enact justice to be fair and godly people. And unfortunately, it just doesn't work out that way in the end. Right. But I think initially that's kind of a safeguard built in because the uh, judge could appeal to the priest and say, well, this is not in the law. And the priest could appeal to the judge and say, hey, what you're doing is, you know, not the outcome that's given in the law. So right. so there's kind of a check and balance there, but it just is going to end up being corrupted as sin corrupts all things, right, right. period. So uh, today's uh, answer is is the Paul Romans, you know, we are to uh, be subject to the authorities that God has placed over us, regardless of like what they are, where they are, and how corrupt they are, etc., to understand that that's been placed by God. And in America... Uh, our authorities have an appeal system. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, I think in many states, uh, certain murder convictions are automatically appealed on behalf of the person who is convicted. Right. Um, And I think like a lot of times you can plea out or, you know, appeal. Uh, But even our, let's not like kid ourselves, like our justice system is like a complete mess as well. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. No. I was just curious, again, because I was just thinking, I was like, I mean, this looks good, and it makes a lot of sense, but then it's again, I already know the future, and when I say future, I don't want to say that I'm breaking Deuteronomy 18, but I know the future from the perspective of where it goes from Deuteronomy and from what I read in Scripture, and I'm sitting there going, wait a second, they do not keep... Um, I mean, they, they, I mean, God slams them in almost every minor prophet for the injustice that's occurring, um, and telling them they need to fix that and do it quick. Right. Um, but again, I guess that's where God's punishment comes in and, and most of the minor prophets. Yeah, those so who I guess practice th- injustice are often on the, on the sinner list. Right. And so they're kind of the first to get eaten by locusts or whatever happens in, mm. in those situations. And the ground will open up and swallow them. <laughs> you know. So, well, I guess that answers that question then. Yeah. So, it wasn't as hard as you thought. All right, yeah. it, it, it can be hard to swallow, though. Like, well, I was wrongly convicted, and I'm just supposed to abide by it? Right. Depending on where you are, uh, I mean, I guess your number one thing would be to, you know, continue to, to seek God and to petition Him with prayer to right. uh, ask that justice ultimately happens, but also understand that 
perfect justice is going to be the other side of eternity right kind of thing and also understand that we as treasonous you know cosmic treasonists uh sinners we've already thwarted justice by being in christ right so we're already not getting what we deserve in, in that regard that's true it's really hard to look at our lives as that whole like citizen of heaven versus mm. like you know citizen of earth mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. i never kind of thought of that before because i mean i guess if if really the worst comes to worst, you get, you're convicted wrongly of a crime that you may not have done, but in all reality, what did you deserve in the first place and what did you not get because of Jesus mm-hmm. is kind of humbling actually when you think about it because well, what do you really deserve? Do you really deserve justice? You kind of really don't want justice in your own life right? Um, because, <laughs> yeah. You don't want what you deserve. <laughs> Wow. Okay, this went deeper than I thought. Yeah. Um, uh, pa- Paul is like just an example of that. He, he takes his imprisonments and uses them as opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Right. You know? um, where most of us would take our opportunities in prison to write our lawyers and to mm-hmm. uh, proclaim our freedom to anybody that would listen and stuff like that. So we, we would proclaim our innocence until lethal injection. Right. You, you know, uh, where... Paul would proclaim Christ until lethal injection. Wow. Just a different mindset. Yeah, it is. Hooray for our carnal Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Well, okay. Again, that question went way deeper than I thought. So after those sobering thoughts, Uh, do you want to go on? So let's go talk about the kings. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's talk about somebody we can point fingers at. Right. Well, Well, I don't know. When I got reading into that, it uh, was hard to point fingers because I realized that That can be humbling too. Anyway, so let's get into Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. And um, should I break this up into two parts or read through? Um, My notes I have... uh, No, I put them all into one. All right, so let's go through it all the way. Yeah, because I got got things kind of mixed around in the end. so. So as you hear people, we really do... Not plan, <laughs> right. other than okay. Let's study where you yeah. at this week. <laughs> you you want to go through all? You want fish up seventeen this week? <laughs> I think yeah, we sure. can do it. Wait, we never get through where we want. <laughs> so this, so anyway. time, this time we'll get through it. Be careful. You said that with too much confidence. Uh, I'm just looking at the time we have, and if I shut up now and let you read, we should be all okay. Right. Good deal. All right. Uh, chapter 17, verse 14. When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you and you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book, a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him. And he shall read in it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his 
God, by keeping all the words of his law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. Yeah, you better know how to write. All right. Spell. Well, hopefully they got a good education. However, I don't know how well it did to them. Again, knowing the uh, what happened in Israel and uh, <laughs> and uh, Judah, but uh, we had and, some good kings in there somewhere. And between the three commentaries, everybody was divided on if the king actually wrote it himself or not. But that's a spoiler. We'll okay. talk about that. Later. I was gonna say because I, I thought I heard that. Yep. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what do you what do you got here? Uh, quite a bit. Like I said, I have this all kind of jumbled up because I started making my own points. Okay. Um, uh, king has to be chosen by God. Uh, just like the place of worship was chosen by God. So once again, it wasn't a matter of like, you're going to go into the land and you're going to like have a popularity contest or you're going to have an election or whatever. It's no, if you're going to have a king someday, God's going to choose that king. Mm -hmm. And if we get through judges, Joshua and judges, we get to see the first uh, time that a king is appointed. And we also see how that appointed king does go awry. And there's a lot of injustice under him, especially to David. Um, but then we see how another king is appointed and the successor refuses to quote unquote play God and dispose of the sitting king because he knows they were chosen by God. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of a, a deep reminder that, you know, God distinguishes the people at his time and at his choosing. Mm -hmm. I, I thought it, it was interesting how God kind of set it up originally for, it's not like his original intention was a king, but he ultimately said, you know, if you choose to have a king, kind of like the other nations, which he really didn't. Is it if or is it when? Um, let's see, the Lord your God, and you possess it and dwell in it. I will set a um I see, when you come to the land that the Lord your God has given you and you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations. Okay, so yeah, God, God's waiting on them to, right, so to he, get all jealous and he, want their own king. Right. And because he even, he even kind of put it in there, you know, like you asked just like the other nations, which he didn't really necessarily want that to happen. But he set up a government that that could work that way. Um, however, I think he did a good job of setting up checks and balances so that the king legitimately didn't have all the power. Um, but how God kind of set it up from the beginning and even with a king, it was said to look differently. So all of the other nations, you know, they, they go for horses or military power. Um, many of them went for wealth and, and a lot of times with wealth comes pride. Oh, you're pulling um, those pieces out now. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, carry on. Oh. Um, or when you're talking wives, um, women, uh, a lot of times women, I got to be careful what I say here. Sometimes with alliances, women might lead you astray or turn your heart away from God. I mean, nothing's really changed. <laughs> <laughs> right. So can women still turn you, your heart away from God? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, they're, they're making sure that during this and, time... And, and women, men can do the same. Right, right. But we're men, so we know it from the other way. <laughs> yeah. And, and really, in all honesty, though, these, these marriages that, that might be made to, to unite kingdoms, they could bring, bring idolatry into the, the country. And yeah. so worshiping other gods was not a good thing. So, uh, And that's exactly what we saw happen... It's funny that all these prohibitions uh, are things that Solomon ends up doing. Yeah. Who, who's often regarded as like one of the quote unquote greatest kings in Israel because he was there during a, a flourishing peacetime. Mm -hmm. But um, he he would marry, marry for treaty. He would gain a lot of wealth. Um, and the wealth was actually supposed to be a blessing. 
but he would still divide up Israel into taxation districts, mm-hmm. which well, near he wasn't the, supposed to do. I mean, near the end of his kingdom, though, he, I mean, these the very things started to turn him away from God. Right. That's what I mean. He did. Right. Yeah. So he started off in a better place, but because of he collected these things, his heart started to, to turn away. Women, collect all 900, like Solomon. <laughs> I was going to say, he did collect. <laughs> was it 900 wives and 300 concubines? Whew. I can't. I at mean. That, at that point, they're not even. I mean, like, there's like a harem. And then there's just like a yeah, throw her on the pile with the others. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Serious. Like, uh, what? What's your name again? Oh, you're my wife. Oh. So sometimes That's I'm yeah. You know, sometimes I'm like, well, wait a second. Just having one, you you got to make sure you have time for for just that one, and then. I mean, I guess what kids our, would come with that. And well, uh, actually, that's what I was gonna say is uh, Dan Dyke, uh, one of our professors that we had, yeah. uh, would question the amount of children that Solomon would have had survived, because many uh, of the wives worshipped Molech, who demanded child sacrifice, uh, um, among other things. And most of the child sacrifice was, oh gosh, I can't remember which gender. But uh, the Dan Dyke hypothesizes, and I'm not saying this is documented anywhere. This is his hypothesis. Right. Um, Proverbs was written to the one surviving son of Solomon is what he assumes. But would he, uh, allow, would he have allowed idolatry to go on or would he just not have known because of the amount of wives he had? I think that, and I would have to double check. It's been, it's been a while since I've read uh, the account of Samuel, but it would probably, uh, I'd have to check and see. <clears throat> okay. But I would imagine, I mean, if he was, I think that he fell into the trap of worshiping Moloch as well. Did he? Um, I, I think that he definitely had like his time astray. Oh, come on. Yeah, I knew he had his time astray, but I'm, I'm not, again, it's been a while since I've been into the life of Solomon. <clears throat> Let me see, I'll try and do this quickly. Filling time, blah, 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 blah. Now, now, many of these things that we're talking about, so as he looks that up, um, really, when you think about it, are still attributed to many of the present day conflicts and wars that we still continue to have. Um, although they may not be seeking horses, um, they are seeking military power in order to um, claim strength as a nation, um, whether it be nuclear weapons, whether it be um, various tax laws, different things like that. Um, most governments still claim, um, you know, they, they have better economy and in their trade and, and, and pride, wealth and power comes from those things. Um, gone. It looks like you're ready to yeah, talk. Yeah, I got it. Uh, so first of all, 700 wives, 300 concubines. So we are a couple hundred too many. Oh, wow. Um, you know, so it's only 1200 total. No. I thought it was twelve hundred. Well, why, would you, why would you need concubines if you got a bunch of wives anyway? Uh, well, it says, and his wives turned away his heart. Okay. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, and his, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, which is Asherah, the goddess of the Sidonians. and Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites, uh, which I think is might also be Molech. So uh, Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow holy, did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Uh, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites. It was actually Chemosh and Molech 
that are the two that demanded child sacrifice. I, Ash, uh, Ashroth was obviously the uh, fertility prostitution. Right. So yeah, he had a lot of he had a lot of mess going on at the end. Okay. But it, what's ironic is that list we have here that we talked about was all this stuff Solomon would start to accrue, mm-hmm. even if it was involuntarily or even if it was his blessings. It also turned his heart astray, right? Dis- despite the way he received these things, right, right. And yeah, and again, the, some of those same things though still attribute today. Now, I think it's easier. To, I think it's easy to point fingers at, at some of these uh, some you know some of these kings because even some of the best kings in Judah really kind of fell away. Even Hezekiah um, near the end. I mean, his own wealth and power and pride ended up um, showing the Babylonians a little bit too much, which <laughs> which led to to some bad things later on in, in the kingdom. And well, he was granted more years. <laughs> he was granted more years, and then exile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not for him, but for his kids and his kingdom. Um, but but I thought about it from the perspective of our own leadership as people and Christians and just whatever positions we're put in. Although we may not be king, I think some of these same um, principles are godly principles for us to, to be able to live and to lead by. Um, because ultimately the king was supposed to be a... Um, was supposed to be a man above reproach and ultimately the, the example in Israel. And so... Um, I think many of these same principles really can go into our own leadership when we're, when we're thinking about the positions that we have at work. And even if you're not in a quote, quote unquote leadership position, um, I mean, we are examples of, of how to live and, and part of these stipulations that God puts out for the Kings are, are, are for these Kings to look different than any other kingdom. And, and as Christians, I think that we're kind of in that same boat. Um, and, and I think these same hiccups that, that get in the way of Kings, um, such as the idea of power, pride, wealth, um, and, and really even, um, idolatry, uh, and some of the things that we have as, as idols in today's society, all of these can be hiccups to living a godly life that, that is an example of, of how to truly live. And so I find it kind of interesting where, although it's easy to point fingers at Kings or, or um, leaders, um, in the United States and, and other parts of the world, I think they're very relevant um, to ourselves. And even if you go down to 18 through 20, the king was supposed to have um, the the king was supposed to pay extra attention to the law and make the law very much a part of his leadership. Um, and I think I read somewhere where they're like, well, sometimes the think the, the king has way too much going on. He doesn't have time to deal with that. But in all reality, that's probably his most important job is to stay connected with God and understanding his law and to lead his people that direction. And I know many times as Christians, we get the, well, I just don't have time to dig into scripture in the Bible. And they're leading lives supposedly as, quote, Christians, but their lives don't necessarily necessarily reflect that because I don't have time for the Bible type idea. Mm. And so I really thought that these principles, I don't know, maybe God didn't necessarily mean for it to apply to our lives as leaders today in our various aspects of society. However, I think they very much fit. If you really think about the things that God is asking them to do um, in this section of Deuteronomy. Well, even a lot of times we, we place ourselves into the we pick a side and we identify with the power or yeah, we'll say, we'll leave it at that. The power or the pride 
that that side has. And by the time this podcast comes out, we probably will already know the fate of the Supreme Court justice, but that's the big news that's going on right now. So that helps you date when we... (laughs) October. Yeah. Um, There are just these proceedings and both sides were purely itching for power. One side wants to be able to claim so many seats on the Supreme Court and the other side wants to ensure that that side does not get the power. So... Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. Uh, was that Psalm? Um, yeah. I don't know. Psalm 20? You got a lot of psalms to choose from. I uh, know, but this is like a kid's memory. Ah, yes. All right. Psalm 27. All right. 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Um, right now, we're seeing a country where Many are trusting in horses and chariots. Many are trusting in Democrat. Many are trusting in Republican. Many are trusting in, you know, Supreme Court nominees. They're not trusting in God. And we're seeing many leaders that are also exhibiting the same behaviors. Many are trusting in their party lines. Many are trusting in midterm elections, et cetera, et cetera. They're they're not actually in any way paying knowledge to God, despite the fact Many, and I would even argue most of our Congress and our senators claim Christianity in their belief set, mm. but they're not governing like Christianity is part of their belief set. Right. They're governing based on hope and pride and power. Absolutely. Yep. Soapbox, I will now push that aside and we'll go back. <laughs> no, that that's, I mean, it's easy for... What's the term? Is it chronological snobbery? Mm-hmm. Like we look back on the past and say, like, oh, they're just a bunch of idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. Oh, of course, Solomon got seduced by wealth because he was a Neanderthal, you know, kind of thing. Right. But in reality, nothing's changed. No. Which Solomon wrote. Yeah. There's nothing new, new under, under the, the sun. sun. It is all vanity. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The, the whole book re- on repeat. Right. Like, you know, outside of that song, that's for every season, turn, turn. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> I will never sing again on this podcast. I apologize. <laughs> he doesn't but, do vocals well, and that means singing. Nope. <laughs> I could probably do some death metal, like, brr. Uh, right. I want to hear what that sounds like when it do the, brr. Anyway, okay. that's more like a burp. This is why I don't trust myself with. Ecclesiastes, um, um, Nothing Solomon, Under the Sun. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, um, Chronological. Um, oh, Chronological Snobbery. Thank yeah. you. I was just going to go through the books of the Bible. Okay. <laughs> um, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Anyway. Um, chronological Snobbery. Um, we see the same thing nowadays. People are still seduced by wealth. It just looks different. Where in, in Solomon's day or the Israelites' day, it might have looked like gold. Um, it might have looked like perfumes and spices and maybe particular foods and drink and stuff like that. Nowadays, it just looks like stocks and bonds and money and mm-hmm. Bitcoin. Right. I'll blame, I'm going to blame cryptocurrency. Sounds good. Yeah. For high compu- high-priced I, computer parts. Oh, don't give me... No. Why'd you go there? I'm sorry. Sorry. Bit of computer was you, tough. You, you want a video card? It's going to cost you seven Bitcoin because I can mine more Bitcoin with it. What if I just want to play a game on my computer? Just see the screen. Look at what you've done. I'm sorry. Some, I'm trust sorry. In, some trust in Bitcoin. Some trust in stocks. I heard 50 Cent bought a bunch of Bitcoin or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Then he found out later on, or he lied later on and said, no, I didn't. Or I don't know. Yeah. I got Bitcoin. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. No, and... 
I'm just trying to just kind of some of the stuff I have in here. Um, kind of the same stuff you said. I'm saving that before we lose it. Okay. Um, we don't want to uh, put our trust in things like wealth, the size of an army. Uh, instead, we need to trust in God. We want to watch our marriages. Oh, and that was uh, kind of okay. So that's where that was. Um, marriage. He uh, having too many wives. He didn't want this to be a concern of the king. And also, when we look at the requirement for the king, he said he should be an Israelite. Um, it's one of the places where there's kind of a pure breed uh, demand here. Uh, he, he must be ethnically an Israelite. He cannot come from the outside because he will be more open to leading the people astray. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, ca- we can kind of go down the list here. Like one, he should be ethnically a Israelite raised in the community that knows God's law. And you might say, well, that's racist um, kind of thing. Or nowadays we would have a huge problem with that. But we're looking, this is one of the few places I will look in the Bible and say, well, this is a cultural requirement because of the nature of God's people and what he has chosen. He has chosen Israel. This is prior to where that transference of God's people goes from Israel to the church. Mm -hmm. So I will say, culturally, God has chosen a particular people group and he can do whatever he wants and demand an ethnically Israeli leader, Hebrew person. Um, So don't get me wrong and think that I will let you play the culture card anywhere, but I will play it here because of the circumstances. Right. There's a lot around that. Um, and then on top of that, he, I like that it says too many wives. Is it, where's the, what's the verse on that? Um, it is. So it's, um, uh, between eight. Oh, um, where is it? Oh, he shall not. It's uh, 17. Oh, and he okay. shall not acquire many wives for himself. <laughs> like, I'm like, one's good. Mm-hmm. Like, one's fine with me. Absolutely. Like, but don't have many. Like, what, what, what's that mean? Yeah, for the king? I'd be like, don't have more than one not wife. You know? I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a New Testament on that. You know, yeah, like, I'm, I'm good with that one. An elder or deacon must be the husband of one wife. I'm, again, That's I'm okay with that. Good. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah, uh, so we see it kind of roll down the hill, though. Uh, don't have many wives. Don't let your heart be led into many different directions. So uh, be kind of Israel. Have your heart be with God. Don't marry into a situation where your heart's going to be led astray. And then don't accrue too much wealth because you're going to become too self-reliant on it. Or, and Grisanti pointed this out, you might start levying too many taxes against your own people to accrue more wealth. Mm. So that would also cause you to you know, depend on the wealth as opposed to God or also and hurt your own people, which are God's chosen people. Well, he even says in the end of chapter 17, um, verse 20, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers and that he may not turn aside. So, I mean, he's not necessarily giving the king the right to have an elevated position of himself, whether that be in his pride or, or really necessarily even in stature, he has a job to do of leadership, but that doesn't necessarily give him permission to pump himself up as better than saying another, um, another brother, um, when you're, when you're thinking the Jews. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, it's not really so, him. So let's go back to America. Oh man, this is like the rage against the machine podcast. Oh, no. Um, right now, lobbyists 
and lucrative backroom deals are what are allowing laws to be passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the telecom lobbyists are the reason the FCC is going after net neutrality. Right. Um, uh, that is a disregard for your people while you are like lining your own pockets. Right. And Re- regardless of where you sit on the net neutrality side, et cetera, like, oh, government interference, blah, blah, blah. The reality is it comes down to people getting money. Right. Um, and putting your finances, your wealth, your power above your people. Mm-hmm. So we were, once again, you can't be that chronological snob. Yep. You can't say, well, back then that might have been a problem. Well, duh, look, today it's still a problem. Yeah. Don't don't be above your people. So I guess I'm saying this to, you, you know, the 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 people out there that listen, the hundred of you that we have, <laughs> we have your ear for a minute. Um, if you get into power, if you get into leadership positions, whether it's political or whether it's it's your place at work or your place within the church or your community, whatever your position is, when it's leadership, it's best to look out for the people on the level of the people and to bring a godly perspective into those leadership situations. Mm -hmm. Even if you're like, well, the only thing I lead is my community group. You should be well-versed in God's law, in his word, and you should lead from a place of humility, knowing that God has done what Christ has done for you is the same as what he's done for the people you're leading in your group, whether or not they're super Christians or they're baby Christians or they're just as humble as you or they're prideful. It, you're all on that same playing field and you need to lead in a godly manner that is serving and humble. Yep. It, does, it doesn't change just because you don't have a crown. Right, right. I, I, I'm going to burn the soapbox this time. Okay. All right, no more. We'll, we'll go back to the, okay. your regularly scheduled podcast. Right, he'll buy a new one by the time we uh, get to the next podcast. So, yeah. But that's probably all not... All right, let's talk about the... <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so with that... Um, I guess that pretty much wraps up tonight. I don't know where we're at on well, the time. I'm oh, just kidding. Uh, last thing I got, I'll just go through these notes. Yeah, we're we're about five minutes or so. Um, the king is to copy this law, which allows a few things. The king can no longer act as though the law does not exist, as he has either written or commissioned a copy of it to be made. So he cannot feign ignorance of the law. All right. Because his hand is actually written it or he, somebody else's hand has written it and he's supposed to meditate on it like every day. Mm. He's supposed to look at it, read it. Um, Grisanti argues that like, hey, he probably didn't read the whole thing in the morning and then go out, but he was supposed to have a working knowledge of the law. Um, and then he would always have to compare his rule to the demands of God, um, which was, you know, very common to uh, in the uh, Deuteronomic style of that Suzerian vessel treaty that we talked about, or vassal treaty, uh, that we talked about that Deuteronomy is written in, uh, it was very common for a person who was taking over a kingdom to have a written copy of the law so that they knew what the uh, the treaty, what they were like working under, what the terms of the kingdom were. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the king was writing this out was basically falling into style with the rest of Deuteronomy. Right. He was falling into step with what the treaty would call for so that he would know what he was ruling under. So that was, yeah. th- those are my last on those notes. All right. Thanks, fam. And I think that's, again, still applicable today. I mean, yeah. as believers, if we're going to go out and be a leader, if we're going to go out and be an example to the world around us, we can't really neglect our understanding of God's <laughs> word um, and of God's commands and living that way. And, I'm not, and we're, we're not saying that, like, if you are... 
a, a youth group leader or a hospitality team member or you're leading a team at your church and you're like, well, you know what? I'm not well-versed. I don't spend 24-7 reading the Bible. I didn't go to Bible college or whatever. Like, that, that, That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is get to know it, continue to know it, continue to grow in it, put yourself under the authority of somebody else, uh, pastors at your church, mentors, community group leaders, to help you learn and to know what God's demands are and what, what His Word says. Let it permeate your heart and always be humble to know that you have to continue learning more and deepening your relationship with God so that when you're like working with other people, you're, you know, hopefully operating within his commands, his love, his style, and that pure humility. I, I'll just keep going if you don't stop. I All wait right. for you to bite it. You already got rid of the soapbox, supposedly. No, I got rid of it, and then I, I stood on it's the still not pieces. <laughs> it's on fire, but I'm standing <laughs> on it. I was like that. Dave Workman would get his soapbox out, uh-huh. but he would never stand on it. No, he really wouldn't. He'd like put it next to him and then like give his little decree and then he'd like put it away. It's like, no, dude, stand on it. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Unless it just down. wasn't very sturdy and he'd like collapse. Buy a better soapbox. That's right? fair. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. That's, cool. That gets us through that chapter. All right. Do you got anything else you want to add? I think I'm done. No, I think we're ready for chapter 18. We'll get into some uh, um, prophecies, uh, or not prophecies, but um, prophets. Yeah, it's like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> prophets, yeah. Um, Levitical priests. Abominable practices. Abominable, I like that oh yeah. We get to talk about sorcerers. Well, the abominable practices go in with, uh, oh yeah, with, with the sorcerers and with the magic. Sorcerers. And- we're going to talk, we're talking about Harry Potter next time, people. Ooh. Yeah, we're breaking it down. Gandalf, your days are numbered. Ooh, he knows the people in Harry Potter. No, Gandalf is from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I don't know much about Harry Potter. <laughs> or Lord of the Rings, apparently. You had to read it. No, I didn't. You didn't have modern Christian writers? I did. I didn't have to read that. We had to read The Hobbit. No, I didn't have to read that one either. Dang, my teacher was better than your teacher. Yeah, I don't did know. You, did you have to read um, Silence? Yes. So, so Shaku Endu. Have you seen the movie yet? No, Neither, no. I want to see it, but I'm it's afraid good. to watch it. Okay. It's yeah. been it's been so long. I, I probably I don't remember much about it. Um, I don't remember much about the movies. The uh, what which one called the um, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah, uh, I don't remember much about those. Don't give me. I can um, go on about that. So yeah. Dan Dyke's class. I watched all nine hours of Hobbits and had to write about the problem of evil. Oh, so the one I the movie I chose was. Um, Count of Monte Cristo. Joe told me I should have done that. Yeah. My wife being Joe. It's perfect. It was a book of Job right there. Yeah, I know. In the Job class. Uh And I was like, no, we're doing nine (laughs) hours of Hobbits. (laughs) Anyway, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, Get us at all of our stuff. Baki. Baki. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Podbean.com. Bakesh at Outlook.com if you want to email us. And there's a look for us on Facebook. We're awesome there. I kind of want to eat a quiche now. Bye. (laughs) 